Today we start a new series called Be Present, because it is vitally important for us to be present on this earth. When I say we, I'm talking about the church and our role as witnesses for all that Christ has done and continues to do and will do. So as we get started, I want us to now pray for this message to go forth, to penetrate into our hearts as we greatly need to hear why we must be present on this earth. So let's pray together once again. Father, we just ask that your word goes forth now. We thank you that Jesus came and was present among us. And as he was present among us, he did not sin. He was perfect. He did every good work. We put our full faith and trust in what he accomplished on our behalf. And Lord, we thank you that he was present, that he went to the cross, that he shed his blood, blood which could cleanse us from our sin. Thank you that he said it is finished because it is finished. The sacrifice that is needed, that is necessary for the remission of sins. And we thank you that he was put in a tomb, only a borrowed tomb, and that he rose from the grave. And that now he is present at your right side and that he will soon come and be present again as he comes to receive us to himself. And there we will be present with you in all of eternity. Lord, we have a great hope. And Lord, I just pray for this series, God, that it would really hit deep into our hearts, Lord, while we are to be present here on this earth at this time for this great purpose. And so, Lord, we ask that you be glorified, move through the power of the Holy Spirit now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, I, I want to recognize as we get started, I want to recognize a few people um, that I just want to say, hey, thank you for being present. Um, one of those is Harry and uh, Betty uh, Ruth. And if you will stand up, they have been married for 58 years. Can we give them a hand? Show our love for them. Thank you, guys, and love you. And I want to say thank you for being present uh, for one another uh, in your marriage and looking after each other for 58 years, and, and plus, because I'm sure there was some dating going on there, right, courtship, and, uh, but also how you're present for your family, um, how you're there on Friday nights um, to watch your granddaughter on the field, and how you're there to support all of your grandchildren, and you supported your children. Um, you are such a great testimony to your family and witnesses, and I want to say thank you for being present. Love you guys and appreciate you, and also, uh, yes, you can clap again if you want to. I mean, just keep clapping, all right? It's awesome. Um, Dave and Jody Leonard, are they in the room? Dave and Jody Leonard, where are you? Okay, there they are. Okay, hanging out over there. I want to say thank you for being present. Um, you have been present here, Jody, for the long term, um, and you have been such a faithful witness, and I appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord. I appreciate your faithfulness here in this local church. Um, I appreciate your faithfulness in the home, because one of the beautiful things that we were able to see through the years as Dave and I were having conversations about Jesus ongoing is that you were modeling Jesus for him in the home. So you were present in your home being a model of what a Christ follower is and should be and I believe that was a huge reason how later um, Dave was drawn to the Lord to become a Christ follower as well. And Dave, I want to say thank you because I've seen the way you've been a father to your children, you've been a husband to your wife, and I'm so grateful that both of you are now followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to be so sad because you're moving to Mississippi. This is your last Sunday with us, but you're just going to go be present in Mississippi and share Jesus, right? Okay, so, and then you're going to come back and visit and be present with us. Okay, so we love you guys. Can we encourage them and say thank you so much for being present? Um, 
Jonathan Crowdis, where are you? Johnny Crowdis in the room, there he is. And Lacey, I wanna say, hey, thank you guys for being present because you are present. You're present in the community. Um, you're president, uh, president, <laughs> you'd make a good one, Jonathan, you would. Um, but you are present in uh, supporting Valdosta State University. And not only just the football team, um, but also the international students, but you are connected in so many other ways. You want to be invested in the town that you live in, that being the great town of Hehira, or as Siri says it, Hahira, right? And so you are invested there, and I want to say thank you for being witnesses, and we love you guys. Thank you for being present uh, in the world today. Um, in this local church, Hank and Kathy Phillips, where are you? You're sitting in the back. Both of you are wearing red and black. You look great, okay? And here's the thing. I love seeing your faces week in and week out. And Hank, since you became a follower of Christ two years ago, you've been faithful here in serving, and you've been leading your wife. And I want to say thank you for that. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to discipleship, the both of you. I want to thank you for serving up here in the baptismal when nobody sees you back there, Miss Kathy, and Hank, your visibility and greeting people as they come onto this place. Thank you for being present in this local church. We love you, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you. And Mike Root, if you're listening in, okay, we know that you are across the world, but we say thank you for being present in the workplace and as you serve, there are many disciples that are going to be made because of your faithfulness. We love you, brother. Can we show our appreciation to Mike as he continues to go forth? Love you, Mike. Thank you. Continue forward there in Pakistan. And uh, Rick Vega, who was baptized today, uh, but also we celebrated with him on Friday for serving almost 26 years in the Air Force. So, Rick, will you stand up and let us show our appreciation for you for being present? Thank you in the workplace, present in the workplace. And so all four of these areas that I just mentioned and recognized you in this room, um, I just wanna say thank you. And there are many more to be recognized and will be in the coming weeks. But you know what, it's not about us truly being recognized, but it's us understanding why we must be present. And we can see a great sacrifice in Jesus Christ, what he came to do and accomplish for us. And we're gonna dive deep into this in just a moment. But the last one I want to recognize and, and to say thank you for being present in your work are our veterans, all those who serve in our military, who have served and are currently serving. We recognize you today. Will you stand up so we can show our gratitude for you, everyone across the room. Truly, we say thank you. We truly appreciate your sacrifice and your commitment uh, to serving our country. And so as we've said, uh, we are looking at this new series entitled Be Present, because we want to be present. There's a reason why we're here on this earth, and Jesus came and was present among us. And so that's where we're going to start with this. We're going to start with Jesus, and then today we're going to break it down how we must be present in the home, and that will be our first of, of four in this Series. So if you will, turn to John chapter 17. That is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John chapter 17. We're looking at the high priestly prayer because Jesus Christ came to be the high priest. He intercedes for us. I love this passage because we get to listen in. We get to look in on Jesus praying for us. While Jesus was on this earth, he prayed for us. Drew, did you know that? Jesus prayed for us, amen, all right? And so Jesus prays for us, and we're gonna look in on this conversation that he has with the Father, and this is right before he goes 
to the cross. So John 17, starting in verse 13. This is what Jesus says as he's praying to the Father. He says, but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. So the first thing I want to point out, as Jesus is praying to his Father, is that he says that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This word fulfilled means to complete, to be complete. This Greek word, pleureo, but it also it has a meaning behind it. It means to fill a vessel or a hollow place because man's problem is this, that he's filled with sin, but he's empty of God's goodness. So we have something that we are filled with, that sin, but we are emptied of God's goodness. We're not born with God's goodness. We don't just morph into God's goodness. We're empty of it. So Jesus is praying that they would be fulfilled, that they would receive the joy, that they would have the goodness of God while they live here on this earth. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you have a need, if you have a concern, it will be met through Jesus Christ. And these are rich blessings. And we talked about on Wednesday night, when we look at the blessing of God, it's understanding the attributes of God. So if we're talking about being blessed and wanting to be blessed, being blessed is understanding more of God. That's how you're blessed. That's how we're blessed. It's not understanding more of ourselves and giving more to ourselves. It's giving more to God and understanding more of who God is. And it's being filled with the joy of knowing this. And then John 15 10 and 11, when Jesus was talking to his disciples before this prayer, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So in salvation, it's not that he just gives us a little bit of joy, but he wants us to be filled with joy. And this joy brings us a great purpose and understanding of why are we here? Why are we on this earth? What is going on? Look around us. Look at all the destruction, the chaos. Man, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Or is it that it's just been falling apart ever since the fall? So Jesus came so that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Here's the problem. The world does not comprehend the fullness of God. It is a mistake for us to think that the world gets this. They automatically understand who God is, why God sent Jesus, why Jesus did what he did, and how he sent the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing. It is a mistake for us to think that everybody just gets that. The majority of people, they don't get it. They don't know it. This is a great problem. Because the first Adam in the garden rejected God. 
and wanted his own will, right? That's, that was the rejection. He wanted his own way. Have my own way, Adam. That's what it was in the garden. But the second Adam, when he is in the garden and he is praying before he goes to the cross, he says, your will be done. Do you see the greatness in the second Adam there? He's saying, God, your will be done. Whereas the first Adam said, give me the fruit. I want my will. All of us come from the first Adam. But oh, how we have a great need to be a part of the second Adam who says, Lord, your will be done. And I'm headed to the cross. You see, the world rejects God, which means they reject Jesus, which means that they naturally reject the church being Christ's followers. So understand this. If we're to be present in the world, you are going to be rejected. So everybody just say, reject. Yeah, you're going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected by people who don't naturally get it. And I believe that's what holds us back from being a bold witness, from boldly being present here on this earth, is because we're afraid of being rejected. Going to happen, man. It's just going to happen. In fact, the more bold witness you are, the more you will be rejected. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, if you look closely at this high priestly prayer, Jesus says something. He says, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for them. And that's interesting that he would say that, right? But he is praying for the church. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for the church because he knows that they are going to remain here in this world. And so know this, church, you have been prayed for. Jesus has already interceded on your behalf. The King of kings and Lord of lords is your prayer partner. (laughs) He's prayed for you for your boldness. So what is the remedy? What is the remedy of all the destruction of the rejection of God and of Jesus and the church? What is the remedy? Is the remedy for him to save us and then boom, just zap us up to heaven. Let's have a good time in heaven and live eternity with God. Is that the remedy? No. See, far often we want that to happen. We just want all good things to happen after salvation. No, the remedy is that you remain on this earth. That is the remedy. Because Jesus came and was present among us and now you are to be present on this earth. You are a part of the remedy. Jesus Christ being present in you, you being present on this earth is the remedy for those who reject Christ so that we can live in the fullness of God on this earth on this earth as he restores others like us to himself. So we see in verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Jesus asked the Father that he would not take us out of the world. So if you want to know why you're still here in this world, it's because Jesus asked the Father not to take you out of the world. Right there. He wants you here. On this earth, and he goes on to say, but that you keep them from the evil one. And that's a promise fulfilled as well. Both of these things, that you remain and that he protects you. So this means that Jesus has established a presence for the church on this earth. Meaning be present means you belong on this earth. And what you see in news headlines mainstream media, 
what you hear from people talking on the Facebook or Twitter many times is that Christians don't belong with their convictions. That this is not a place for you. And we often think that too, that maybe we don't belong here, so we just need to kind of keep quiet, let people do what they're going to do, let's not offend. No, we belong here. Like we're supposed to be here because this is the will of God, that the fullness of God may dwell in us here on this earth. First, because Jesus came to be present and he tabernacled among us. Just as we see the tabernacle in the Old Testament and they would structure, put up the the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and they would put all of their tents surrounding this place of worship and they would look to the tabernacle. When Jesus comes, it's so that we may look to Jesus. From those of old, from those of new, from those of before the cross, from those after the cross, we look to Jesus. He tabernacled among us. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That dwelt among us means tabernacled. And we have seen his glory. Glory is that the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So just as he came to be present among us, we too are to be present among the world because we are the temple of God. That's what Paul speaks of to the Corinthians. He says, your body is a temple in which the Holy Spirit lives. So we're not looking to build physical structures for God to exist, for God to reign. No, we are the temple. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, Christ's follower. So that we as the kingdom of God on this earth may display the fullness of joy, fullness of God, for others to see, to repent, and to follow. That's why we're witnesses. We are witnesses here on this earth. So with this, it is important to remember, we are in the world, but not of the world. You're grateful for people in the past who've made a big impact on you when it comes to Christ and maybe sayings that they've told you. My youth pastor used to always quote this scripture and tell me, Brian, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. Just remember that. When you go to school, you're in the world, but not of the world. Be a bold witness. I'm so grateful for hearing that over and over and over again, that I wanted to be so careful as to not leave this out today as if you've heard this over and over again. But if you have heard this over and over again, hear it once again. They're not of the world, just as I am not of this world. But you're to be in this world. We are to be in the world, not withdrawn from the world, not hiding away in holy huddles. That's just being a place where we're comfortable around people who agree with us, like-mindedness, and let's not get in any conflict. But no, let's just be in a safe place. Let's huddle together, and this is where we'll be Christians. No, we're not to be withdrawn from the world, but we're also not to be confused with the world. You will stand out. If you're living for Jesus, you will stand out. You will be different. You don't have to try to be different. So please don't try to be some weird Christian, right? Just love Jesus, and you will stand out. So we're not to be confused with the world, but we're to remain in the world. So I want you to be encouraged by this church. While you're still here on this earth and you're wondering, when's my time going to be? Whether you're looking forward to retirement or you're retired or you got a long way before that or you say, I'll never be retired, and you're just... You're devastated. You don't really know what to think. 
and you're just living day to day to day without the eternal view in mind. You're here because Jesus wants you here. So with that, it's important that men know who God is. And when I speak of men, I speak of all mankind. A.W. Tozer said this, men do not know that God is here. What a difference it would make if they knew. Wow. That's how we should pray, that they may know you, God, and that it would be a difference in their life. I mean, hasn't your life changed since you've followed Jesus Christ? Aren't you different than who you used to be? I know I am. You wouldn't dare let me on this stage. We're different, and it's a good different. As he's working in us this fullness of himself, So with this understanding, and as the church is called to be present, we're going to look in four different areas. One, we're going to see that we're present in the home. Two, present in the community. Three, that we are to be present in the workplace. And four, we're to be present in the local church. And so today, we're looking at being present in the home. And so I'm going to go from John 17, and it's going to kind of be a little bit more topical in nature, but we are going to look at some key passages in Scripture where we see discipleship, where we see a passing down of the word. And when we're talking about being present in the home, we're talking about being witnesses for Jesus Christ in the home. But what's most important is for you to be present physically in your home. So maybe some of you in the room right now, you don't like home. Seriously. Like you don't want to be in your home. But you need to be present in your home. That's where God has placed you, with that family. Some of you are having struggles in your marriage, and you would rather do all the extracurriculars as much as you can, play golf four times a week, if you can just get out of the house and not be there to deal with your spouse. To be present in the home means you need to be physically present in the home. Your children, there's some of you children right now you're bored of your parents. It happens. I don't know. Around, I'm not going to name an age. But yeah, okay, around 13, 14. So it happens that you just think that, man, I need some space for my parents, and you're starting to understand this freedom a little bit, and growth. And we get that. Been there. But we had a sense to say, I don't want to be home. I don't want to be there. I want to be everywhere but home. You need to physically be present. Some of you are struggling right now to be present in your home. You would rather be present in anywhere else but home. And I think that's sad. I think that's devastating. Because whether your home is perfect or not, you're needed there. And now I know that we could bring up many scenarios of bad things that could have happened in your home, and I get the roads that we could go down with that. But what we're looking at today is being present, being a witness, being physically there. And if we're going to do that, there's three things that we're going to hone in on and we'll look at in just a moment. But first, as we are to be present in the home, we are to pass down the Scriptures. And this is displayed for us in the Scriptures. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, Israel is getting ready to be delivered out of Egypt. They've been in slavery for 430 years. They have plundered the Egyptians without raising a sword. With no conflict. They're saying, here, take our gold. Here, take our silver. Here, take our belongings. Just go. Get out of Egypt. Why? Because the ten plagues have taken place. And the last one was to kill the firstborn 
of each household, of the house that was not covered by the sacrificial lamb. So with this understanding, this is what Moses says, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. He's talking about the Passover. He's saying it's a memorial. Throughout your generations, you ought to pass this down. Exodus 12, 24 through 27, you shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you have come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he has passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. So what do we learn from this? There will be a day when they're delivered out of Egypt and they're in the promised land and they're gonna have the Passover meal. And they're gonna ask the question, kids are gonna ask the question, why do we do this meal? Why do we take a whole week off and do this? What's the purpose of all of this? Why all the symbolism? What does it mean? And they say, oh, there's great significance to this. Let me tell you why we have a lamb here. Let me tell you why we go through all these steps. Because back in Egypt, with the 10th plague, when the angel of destruction came down, it passed over our houses, which were covered in the blood. Because of that, we were spared. The firstborn was spared, and we were delivered out of Egypt. So every year, we come together, and we remember this. This is a passing down of Scripture. It's answering the question of why do we do this? Why do we go through all of this? Why is there this routine? And then it continues in Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 11. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on that day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. So you see, it's teaching your children so that your children will teach their children and their children will teach their children. It's passing it on from generation to generation, reaching the future generations through your home. That's why they would speak of the Passover. So with this, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So here at this point, he's talking about, this is Moses talking to the people. Before long, Moses will die and they're going into the promised land. So he's telling them one last time, he's saying, hey, talk of this, make this your daily routine, talk about the word, talk about the law so that they'll know. And we kind of see all of this summed up in Psalm 78. Will you write that down, Psalm 78, and just do a slow read through that, maybe this afternoon or throughout this week? And you will see this in the text, starting in verse five. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God 
and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So what's the encouragement here? What's the challenge here? Is that if you want your kids to remain faithful, you teach them the scriptures. You teach them the scriptures in the home. Wife, listen to the scriptures from your husband. And if your husband's not giving you the scriptures, you give him the scriptures. Y'all talk about the scriptures together. Be present in the home with the scriptures. And what is our hope? And understand, this is a promise this is a command that we do this. Proverbs 22, verse six, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is our hope, that we train them up. There is a training that must take place. So we see the Passover, them talking about the Passover, them talking about the law, them talking about training them up in this good news. In Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if we want to provoke our children to anger, then don't teach them the scriptures. Don't be present in the home. That's how we provoke our children to anger. Just leave it to other people to do. That's how you provoke them to anger. So we don't want to provoke them to anger. We want to raise them up in this instruction in this training. And we have so much more to tell than just the Passover. We can tell them of the Lamb who has fulfilled the Passover. We have so much more than to tell them of just the law, but Christ who came to fulfill the law. We tell them about Jesus. We celebrate Christ. Because if our hearts are natural, idol-making factories, then our homes must be renovated into the disciple-making factory. Our hearts are naturally inclined to idols, other things than God. This is true. And because it is true, we must transform our homes to places of discipleship. Yes, the local church is needed. We'll talk about the local church in this series. Bible study is needed, youth group, Needed, yes. The home, desperately needed. So listen in, because as we continue, I'm gonna share three things with you today just to kind of give you some encouragement. Because if this is happening in the home, praise God, keep it up. If it's not happening in the home, step up. Let's go. Let's get active. And if you're single in the home, get active in the home. It's not just for those who are married. It's not just for those who have kids. All of us can have an impact in a home. If you have roommates, if you're in college, get active. Display this before others. Be present. So three ways as we are present. If we're gonna be present, here's how we go about it. Number one, if you're taking notes, you wanna write this down. Number one, be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared to be present. They're all going to be P's. They're going to be easy to remember. Okay, you're just going to be talking about it. It's going to be great, right? Be prepared. We must develop ourselves to grow. Okay, so if we are to care about the other people in the home, we must also care about ourselves. 
You know, sometimes mothers get to working hard and they're taking care of their children and all the needs, and sometimes they forget to sit down and eat and take care of themselves. And the doctor says, are you taking care of yourself? Well, no, I've been neglecting me so that they'll eat and they don't eat their veggies and all of this and goes on and on. And many of you relate to that. But as followers of Christ, we fell in this area too. We want to go look after other people. We want to go tell them the good news. We want to go tell them how they can live as Christ. And yet we're neglecting to take care of ourselves. You must first take care of yourself. Feed yourself. Be in the Word. Set aside that, that daily time to read, to pray. Start small. If, if this is non-existent in your life right now, start very small. Take a chapter, take Psalm 78 and just slow read it. A couple of verses a day this week. Start small. But start somewhere. Be prepared. Fill yourself. Deuteronomy, we saw that only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. If you don't take care of yourself, here's what's going to happen. You're going to forget. You're going to forget. So when it comes to conflict in your home, you're not looking to go to the Bible for answers and help. When you're struggling in your life, you're not looking to God's word for assistance, for guidance. No, you're, you're doing that on your own because you have forgotten. We will forget if we don't first take care of ourselves we be spiritually nourished. Children, read the word. Parents, read the word. In the home, read the word. Because good intentions are not enough. We must have an action plan. I know that there are some of you in the room today who say, when I have my home one day, we will do uh, daily devotions every day. It's going to be perfect. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing songs together. Uh, we're going to make crafts together. It's going to be wonderful. That's how our home's going to be. You know why? Because I'm a Christian. Right? You have good intentions. There's many good intentions that we've had, many dreams that we've had to see in our homes. And then once we get there, they're not happening. And we go, what's going on? Man, I had these good intentions. Where are the crafts? Where are the crafts? Because we didn't have an action plan. We weren't prepared. You must be disciplined. And it is going to be hard because here we had these good intentions, but then we realize, oh, we're still living in this world. And although we're married and although we have families, we still face conflict. Things are still tough. Things that compete for our attention every day. And even more so, if you think you're distracted now at 12 and 13 and 14 years of age, wait till you get 32 and 33 and 34 years of age, and then 52 and 53 and 54 years of age and higher. We're all distracted, amen? No, oh, we're being modest on that. I see, okay, all right, yeah. We're all distracted. We must have a good action plan. We must be committed to doing this. So be prepared. So the next thing we see under being prepared is that we must structure our homes around Jesus, around discipleship. Make it around discipleship and not around the TV. Oh, that's easy. That requires nothing, right? Except for us to agree which channel we're going to land on. But then that doesn't matter now either, does it? Because we can have whatever's on TV, and then we have our iPad, and we have our phone, and everybody's watching something different. And that's what our living room looks like day after day after day. That takes no effort, guys. It takes no effort. You just go home and be, and that will happen, right? Or maybe you're just kind of scattered about. When you get home, everybody's doing their different things. It's going to take work 
And you must be prepared to structure your home around discipleship to where you would come home and say, hey, guys, tonight at 7 o'clock before we go to bed, put the kids down to bed, some of you are like, seven, really? We try, okay? <laughs> We're going to get into Word together, and um, Daddy's going to read a, a devotional. And as I read this devotional, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, then we're going to pray together, and then we're going to attempt to sing a song together. You know, these things are really hard to do. And let me just interject something here. Let me tell you why it's so hard for you dads to do, because already you feel like you're failing your families because you're not doing this thing. But you know what? You're just going to have to get over that. You're going to have to submit that to the Lord. And here's the good news. He will fill you with this joy and saying, I've called you to be present in the home. You can do this because I'm filling you up to do this. So center the home around discipleship. Center the home. And so it goes beyond good intentions. We must have a well-planned action. So structure time for discipleship. Make time for it. We make time for other things. We know this. I don't need to go down that road of making you feel like, oh, we spend a lot of time doing ball and dance because all of those things are good. But what are all those things if we miss out on discipleship and as your children graduate off and they're good at maybe one of those things or several of those things, but they forget God? Wouldn't that mean that they're forfeiting their souls to gain the world? It's not worth it. Those things can be very good, but only if discipleship is the center of the home. Bodie Bauckham says this, that many share an address and a last name, but they don't share life. Wow, that's convicting. That's convicting to me. But you know, because it's, it's, it's really comforting to go home at night and, and check out sometimes. Say, man, I need some me time, me time. I've been giving myself away, I need some me time. Maybe you feel that way. When you get home, your family needs you, dads. Your family needs you. So maybe you'll pray this on your way home. Lord, I have given of myself today at work. I've given myself to the community today. May I give my best to my home as I walk through the threshold. Lord, empower me. I need this right now. I need this. That's an honest prayer that I pray. I'm not going to play games with you up here. I'm not going to say that discipleship is the center of our home every day. It is a struggle and a fight. But you know what? We must be prepared. Be prepared. That's why we're present in the home. That's why we have our homes. So one, as we're present, we must be prepared to structure our homes around Jesus. Number two is to be persistent. Be persistent. Because here's a mistake we make. We, we say, okay, I'm prepared. Here we go. Devotion time. Everybody come to the living room. Here we go. Come on. We're going to study the word together. And everybody's just doing their thing. Say, hey, devotion time, let's go. Everybody get in here. And then all of a sudden, our temper starts raising. I said devotion time. Get in here, right? <laughs> and now we're all heated up, and we got to calm down before we talk about the peace of Christ. <laughs> I mean, that never happens at the Anderson household. I'm just telling you, it doesn't. But no, we must be persistent. So if it doesn't take the first time, we show up the next time. <laughs> We're back again. Husbands, if you haven't been praying with your wives, that's a really good thing to do. And wives, to pray for your husbands. Children, to pray with your parents. Parents, pray with your children. Roommates, to pray together. That's a really good thing to do, to encourage one another, 
with the word, to pray the word over each other? Why? So that you don't forget, just like we saw in Deuteronomy, so that you don't forget. We have so many worries. Maybe some of you are staying up real late at night because you're worried. And you need your spouse just to put his hand on your shoulder and just say, let me pray for you, honey. Let me just pray for your worries right now. God, take these worries. Take this stress from her right now. We trust in you and your word. You are good. We have a purpose. We are present on this earth for your will. What a difference that'll make. But if you're going to attempt to do that and you haven't been doing that, you may get rejected at first. Really? You, you want to pray with me? Like, oh, oh now you want to pray with me after all these years? Like, come on, ladies. Help us out, okay? But look, be persistent. Be persistent in your home. If it's just you in the home, be persistent in your study. Day after day. If you, if you miss the day, next day, get right after it. Let us not be one-hit wonders because in this training, it takes time. It's day after day training. You just don't go into the gym one day and then boom, hello, right? now. day after day after day. Be persistent. So grab your rake every day. Do the good work of the gospel. Get your little watering pail out. Okay, I like, I like watering pails over water hose. I don't know. Get your water pail out. Do some watering. Share the gospel. Read scripture together. Pray together. Every day, go to work. Be a spiritual farmer. And get this, right now I think we're in a time where it's been like over 40 days since it's rained here. Over 40 days, I mean nothing in October. Not a drop, no, okay? Maybe the sprinkler system ran a little bit, but that's it. So our farmers understand. Times with no rain, seasons that are dry. You're gonna go into dry seasons. You may be in a very dry season right now. You haven't been doing a lot of raking, haven't been doing a lot of watering. You're saying, where's the rain? Where's the growth? Where's the joy in this home? Where's the life in this home? Come on, God, where are you? You may be in a dry season. Be persistent. Get that rake out. Maybe some dry ground right now. Get that water out. Start watering. Pray that there will be a change in the heart within your family members. Some of you want your children to be followers of Christ desperately. Be persistent. Keep sharing the gospel day after day, trusting God's goodness. Day after day, keep sharing. Some of you want your husband or your wife to be followers of Christ. And I told you of a model earlier. Be that model. Be persistent. As you're present, be persistent day after day. It's not going to all happen in one day. Wesley put it this way. He says, we take care that every person who is under our roof have all such knowledge as is necessary to salvation. Do they have the knowledge that is necessary for salvation? Are you seeing to it that they have this knowledge? Oh, that we would continue to share, that we would love, and that we would display for them God's love. Establish your role. If there's a role confusion in your house right now, get together and talk about it. Because this is all part of being persistent. We're looking at a lot of application here today, and and I think this is greatly needed among us. Listen. If we're to share this scripture and live it out. The other day, a couple weeks ago, a young lady came to the back and she said, listen, can I ask you a question? I said, what's that? She said, Do, are women just as important as men in the eyes of God? And I said, no, they're not. No, I'm just kidding. I said, yes. Yes, they are. I said, but they have different roles. They have different roles. 
And I said, those different roles don't make man better than woman. Woman came from the rib of Adam side by side. You have roles that are needed that are God-given. Enough of this feminism stuff. You've been deceived by that. I pray that you would have a heart change when it understands you have a, a beautiful role in the home, women, of submission, leading to salvation for your husband if he's not a follower of Christ. Men, that you would serve your wives, that you would love your wives as Christ loves the church. If there's role confusion right now, men, if you're sitting back and you're saying, okay, honey, you lead us, you do all of this, get together and talk about it. It's time you get together and talk about it. And understand your God-given roles. And be persistent in this. And be patient. We might as well say be patient in this persistence as well. If you're having a hard time with your children, because you think you can just go in and flip this switch on a discipleship and think they're going to get it. No, 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 no. Be patient with them. Pray for them. Explain to them why you haven't been doing this before and why you want to do it now. Be honest. Be honest. So finally, number three, be persuasive. Oh, are we going to trick them? Going to deceive them? No. Be persuasive with the gospel. Paul was, before King Agrippa in Acts 26, he was persuasive. He said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. When they're sitting down and they're having the Passover meal in the Old Testament, they were persuasive. They believed in everything that they were doing. They were excited about it. There was joy in what they were doing and remembering we've been delivered from Egypt. Oh, how we should be even more persuasive as we have seen the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. So we need a routine, and a routine is good. So we're going to be persistent, but we also must be persuasive. So in our routine, let us not become boring, okay? Let us not bore each other. But because as we spend time being in the Word, sometimes it can get monotonous day after day, routine. Here we go. We're going to draw it out again. Let's just get through it. No, no, no. Pray. If, if you open up the Bible with the attitude, let's just get through this, stop right there and say, pray, just confess it. Lord, my attitude stinks right now. I'm treating this like a game. It's in a game. This is life. May I put everything else on hold and may I read this with persuasiveness. Don't make the greatest news in the world boring. Don't make it boring. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In order to do this, be persuasive. Believe it. So one, take care of yourself. Be prepared. Two, be persistent. Three, be persuasive so that you may be present in the home. So as we go from this place, we accept this challenge. Maybe you have to have some hard conversations this week. Maybe some of you in the room are not Christians. And it's hard for you to be present as a Christ follower when you're not a Christ follower. Maybe we can have some conversations together. I'll be standing in the back in just a moment. Will and Joby will be standing up here. Come talk to us. We'd love to talk with you about following Christ. Maybe you want to check on that card to say, hey, I want to know more about following Jesus. Will you let us know? But if you're immediately thinking, this will not happen in my home, then you can 
be assured of that if that's your attitude. Take that doubt, present it to the Lord. Pray for confidence that you will be present in the home because you are here, that his fullness may be seen in you. Let us pray. Father, we just ask now that you work among us, Lord, as we've heard this, that we would be present in the home. Lord, we take these areas that we would be prepared, that we, we, we would be persistent, Lord, that we would be persuasive, believing what we say. God, thank you that we are here on this earth and that we belong on this earth. May we not treat our jobs and the community and the local church as more important than the home. God, may we be about discipleship in the home. I pray that we would hear testimony after testimony of houses, of homes being surrounded, of surrounding themselves around true discipleship. So God, work among us now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Your word is going forth. We pray, Lord, as we look in the scriptures, use us. May we be present. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand together and sing at this time.
have a seat just for a moment, and um, I'm going to go ahead and, and do this now. I'm going to um, ask Dave and Jody Leonard, if y'all will, will you come uh, stand up here up front, Dave and Jody? Or where's Dave? Dave? Okay, he'll be back. Okay, so hey, wait on him, Jody. Y'all come up at the, at the end of the service. They're going to be up here so you can come hug their necks and show them love, and, and as we send them off, I believe y'all are leaving on Saturday, right? Okay, and so we're excited for you guys, but man, we're going to miss you, and we're so excited that you're going to be present there in Mississippi. Um, I'm going to ask Lloyd and Rhonda Shaddix to come stand with me at this time. And uh, y'all come forward. We met this week. They have been through our Perimeter Basics class, and they are coming today to let you know they are followers of Jesus Christ. Y'all come stand right up here with me. We're so excited. All right. Hey, brother, come on up here. And they come from Transfer a Letter from Trinity Church in Marble Hill, Georgia. So both of them are followers of Jesus. They have been baptized, and it's their desire to join here at Perimeter Road. Do you affirm this? Amen. Awesome. That means yes. And so we're excited to have y'all. And brother, appreciate you. And this is a handy guy right here. Got to go see their new house. Did a lot of good work. You can be upset because I shared that, right? But it looks good, man. It looks really good, okay? So if y'all have a seat just for a moment, and at the end of the service, if y'all too will come stand up here, we want to greet you and welcome you to our church family. So wonderful, wonderful couple. Excited for them coming today. Uh, we're moving into our time of offering, and so these plates will pass in just a moment. And I want to encourage you, church, be generous givers. May we give with great joy um, as we are called to do. And so as these plates come forth, you give as the Lord leads. And also, I want to make mention of our Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. Uh, these are around the building in neat little pyramids and stuff. That's just not there for decoration, although it's good decoration. But it's for you to take one today. And so I challenge you all, take one of these boxes with you um, and then take it home, read the instructions. And uh, if you will fill this box up and bring it back next week, uh, these boxes go throughout the whole world uh, to reach kids in the name of Jesus, to give them a gift, but they also hear about the gift of Jesus Christ. And so we, the little children in our church next week will come and they will place these boxes up here on the front and they love doing that. But we wanna send plenty of these boxes out from Perimeter Road and other local churches are involved in this. People all around the world are involved in this right here. And so will you take a box, will you fill it, will you pray um, over these boxes and bring it next Sunday? But at this time, I'm gonna ask God's blessings over our offering and then we will stand at that time. Father, we ask your blessings now as we give Thank you that we can give. We have been set free from the chains of sin that we can give with generous hearts uh, that the gospel may continue to go forth. Lord, work mightily in this local church. May we be generous in our giving. May we be generous in our, our going and sharing of the gospel. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand back together.
I just want to say thank you to all of you on stage too. Clint's traveling this weekend, and this team has just stepped up. Y'all did a great job. So thank y'all for your leadership this, this weekend. Love you guys. Did a good job, brother. Stepped up, all of you. Thank you so much. Um, and to our guests, if you're here for a first time or second time, whatever it may be, and we have a gift for you. We would love to see you in the back for you right now. Okay, we're about to dismiss. And so come see us. Thank you for being our guest today. And to the church, let us go. Let us go be present in this community in our homes. Amen. You are dismissed.